Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Oh, Captain, my Captain. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. Let's get nuts. Tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. I'll have what she's having. You have chosen wisely. It reminds us all that once was good. And it could be again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious... You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. That's right, you're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Welcome, first of all, welcome to 2019 and welcome to 1989. Happy New Year, everybody. Um, If you're listening to this at some time other than the first couple of weeks of January, then you might be a little bit confused. But this is our first episode of the new year of 2019. And so we have transitioned from 1988 to 1989 in our show. And we started this podcast, what, four years ago, almost? (laughs) Four years ago. And at the very, very beginning, when, when asked what movie people were excited to talk about, Pat chose... Batman. Batman. So we are finally here, roughly three and a half years later. Pat has been, this is like the biggest delayed gratification ever. I know. I know. Pat's finally here. Pat, was it worth it? You know what it was? And it was funny because I was telling Tammy about it the other day. And I'm just like, yeah. And and how cool is it that this has been going for four years? I mean, and real big kudos to you, John. I mean, for putting the whole thing together. But I'm just thinking back when it started and... All the different iterations, like we were going to meet at restaurants and just talk about things over meals, and then that got a little bit crazy because of dishes clanking and such. And then it was, you know, remember the Breakfast Club one where we all met in the library and brought food? And I mean, and now we're like on what episode? What is this? Two twenty or two twenty one? Two twenty one, two twenty, two twenty one, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's so cool, and we've got you know reviews, and and uh, it's just, it's just. This is just a cool thing. I'm just saying. And I think that was the first thing I said to all the, you know, when I saw any of you guys this morning, it was, I think Jeff, I saw you, I'm like, yeah, great. Hey, we're going to hang out later. This is awesome. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's just, this has just been cool. So it's, it's been worth it. This has just been a fun thing. Good. Excellent. Well said, sir. All right. So, so very, very quickly, if for some reason, this is your first time joining us, um, I will give my little spiel and then I'll introduce the, the other friends that I have here with me. Um, very, very quickly, as Pat said, we're on episode number 221. So if you're interested in, in going back and listening to our other 220 episodes before this one, uh, feel free to go over to our website would be 30 podcast.com and you can check out all the past episodes there. We're also on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, all those different places that you can find podcasts. So feel free to go to any of those. We do spoil the movies that we talk about. So just be aware of that. We will, talk about Batman. We'll also talk about movies other than Batman and we just tend to just talk freely. So if you start to hear the title of a movie and you haven't seen it yet, maybe skip ahead uh, 30 seconds or a minute uh, on your phone if you're listening on your phone or whatever, but uh, we do spoil movies. So just be aware of that. 
Uh, very quickly also, if you have not left us a review on iTunes, if you've been listening and you enjoy the show, please go ahead and do that. That's one of the best ways for us to get a little bit more recognition, more listeners, um, and just, you know, a, a way for you to say thank you. You know, we don't we don't tend to ask for money or anything like that. I know some shows do. Um, but, uh, if you want to give us money, I don't think we'll say no. Oh, no, we wouldn't turn it down at all. I do have a Patreon page that very rarely ever gets looked at, but it's there, so... Um, but yeah, so if you, if you're not willing to shell out cash for the show, uh, the next best thing you can do is just take a minute or two and go over to iTunes and leave us a review there, um, or wherever you get your podcasts, but iTunes tends to be like the number one place where, uh, reviews tend to mean a lot for podcasts. So you can do that as well. Uh, as I said, I'm going to introduce my co-hosts. So we've already heard from Pat and Pat, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing really well guys. Good. Uh, we've got Jeff, Jeff, who just came back from Disney world. Hi. And how was Disney World? Crowded. You picked a, yeah, I bet you That's probably right picked here. a crowded time to go. We did, but you know yeah. what? It was a lot of fun. Good. The little one, uh, little guy enjoyed it. I Still mean, there. he just, uh, he had a smile on his face and enjoyed most of the rides we took him on, so. Nice. Right on. Good. Uh, and Bo, Bo is with us tonight too. Hello, everybody. How are you doing, Bo? I am well. Yourself? I'm doing pretty good. We just got off our... Most of us are teachers, and we just got off our winter break. So how was your break, Bo? It was okay. Mine was shorter than everybody else's, because I am uh, the non-teacher of the group. But uh, it was nice. It was nice and quiet in the building, I'll say that. There you go. All right. Well, I only have a couple of things very, very quickly that I wanted to mention as part of our kind of new movie news segment. Um, so I'll just mention these real quick. And if, if we want to talk more about them, we can, otherwise we'll kind of move on to the rest of our stuff. Um, so very, very quickly, I just saw a news thing the other day that Aquaman is officially the highest grossing DCEU movie to date. Oh, good. It has. That's not that much of a surprise. It was pretty freaking good. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. So, so Bo, you went to go see it. Jeff and Pat, have you had a chance to see it yet? No, uh, I have not. Neither have I. Okay. It was a lot of fun. It was, I'm not going to say it's like the best quality DC movie to point no. to this point, but it was a lot of fun. No, it's not going to make a film buff go, oh my God, but it was fun. Yeah. It was exciting. It explored the whole Atlantis thing a little more than we got to see in um, Justice League. It, it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I For me, in terms of, and I think I mentioned this when I did the podcast with, with my kids, um, you know, for me, I think it's it's easily, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I probably definitely will buy it on Blu-ray when it comes out. Um, but it just, you know, in terms of like quality and story-wise, it just, it didn't rise above Wonder Woman for me. Uh, Wonder Woman's my second favorite. Um, and it didn't rise above that. The place where it did, I feel like, do better than Wonder Woman was its villain. I just did not like the villain in Wonder Woman very much. Um, so just kind of as with, with all the characters kind of built into it and, and the action and everything else, I really did like Aquaman, but in terms of the actual quality of what I think would be considered a good movie, um, Wonder Woman, I think is definitely a better movie than Aquaman, but still a lot of fun. And one that if you like to see action movies in the theater, definitely one that needs to be seen in the theater. Got it. All right. My second thing is, um, and this is kind of a surprise one. I, I had seen some stuff about it, but I have not gone to see it yet, but it is getting all kinds of kudos. Um, the animated Spider-Man movie Into the Spider-Verse has won the Golden Globe for Best Animated Movie of the Year. My brother saw it yeah. and loved it. 
I have heard a lot of people say, not like people that I know in real life, just mostly people that I know on the internet, but I've heard a lot of people say that it is possibly their favorite Marvel movie this year. Really? And that's in the same that's in the same year that we had Black Panther and Infinity War. Hmm. And Ant-Man. So, yeah, I would be really curious to see it. I usually shy away from seeing like the animated um superhero movies in the theater but from what i'm hearing is it's definitely well worth a theater watch if you want to do that i also tend to shy away from some of the marvel animated movies because i don't think they've been quite as good as dc but i'm hearing really good things about this one so was happy to hear that it won the golden globe for best animated movie cool so yeah that one is definitely a if i don't see it in the theater it's definitely a either rent or purchase as soon as it comes out so i get a chance to see it all right. Did anybody else have any other new movie news type things that they heard about lately? Anything you want to share before we move on to our other stuff? I saw Mary Poppins Returns and it was great. Yes. We actually just saw that the other day too. Oh, okay, good. Okay, yeah. It was it was really, really an outstanding movie. And I, I'm just, you know, spoilers. Well, no, I'm not going to spoil. How should I say this? Certain people, certain actors of certain advanced ages that make cameos and look fantastic was incredibly impressive. How about I leave it like that? No spoilers. Mm -hmm. No, I I think most of us have heard that uh, he makes an appearance. Yeah. Just an outstanding. So anyways, that movie was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. We went to go see that in the theater on Saturday morning. I think it was Okay. as kind of our last hurrah before the winter break was over and everybody loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, John fell asleep in the movie just because he had gone to a sleepover the night before, so it was an expensive nap for him, but um, everybody else in the theater, Nora, loved the whole thing. Uh, we took my wife and her mom, and just everybody really enjoyed it. So I, I was glad that we enjoyed it because I had heard some negative reviews before we went to go see it, and I just thought, you know what? We're just going to go. We're going to enjoy. I'm not going to read those or listen to those. Uh, just have fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. I'm excited to see it. haven't yet, but definitely. Yeah definitely want to all right okay so i think we are going to jump on into our this week in actually it's this week in 89 now we had to switch from 88 so it's this week in 89 uh this one we do each week um just as kind of a way to look back and see what was going on in the world in 1989 and i've got two things two events that happened in the world um i since we missed the first week of january because uh, we took a, a little bit of a break for our break uh, this is the two weeks of January 1st to January 15th, 1989. Uh, my two newsworthy items were on January 8th, 1989, the musical Starlight Express ends its New York City run after 761 performances. Wow. It is one of my favorite musicals of all time. I saw it a few times in London and saw it for the first time in Dallas when I was a kid. Um, and actually just saw it a couple years ago. They did it at the local high school and was it was just amazing that high school kids were acting, singing, and rolling around on roller skates the entire time. Yeah, I, I, I loved what they did. Yeah, I saw that one, too. I want to see it professionally now. Nothing against what the high school did. I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. Maybe is the right word. So there was that one. And then on January 9th, uh, I don't know if anybody remembers this one. We were we were fairly young at the time, but the Pat Sajak show premiered on CBS. Does anybody remember the oh Pat Sajak show? Oh my God, no. I didn't know he had a show. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's His was meant to be when other. they were looking at Johnny Carson getting ready to retire. Yeah. 
when they were looking at Johnny Carson getting ready to retire, they kind of pegged Pat Sajak as his possible replacement. So before Johnny Carson left the, the late show, um, they started, they pulled Pat Sajak from the daytime Wheel of Fortune. He stayed on as the uh, primetime Wheel of Fortune host, but they had a different host during the daytime. And I vaguely remember that uh, as being a kid because we used to watch Wheel of Fortune a lot. And So you're now telling me something else I didn't know. I didn't know they had two Wheel of Fortunes. I'm just used to the primetime one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had for a little while they had a daytime one that had a different host. Oh. Yeah. I don't remember the, the other host's name, but I do remember that they had that for a while while he was doing this show. And this show did not do so well. Um, <laughs> you know, he started off and, and I... You know, his, I guess his style was okay, but he just didn't really catch on very well. And he ha- kind of had the unfortunate uh, timing of coming around at the same time as Arsenio Hall. Mm. So I, I think ultimately he lost out to that. And his show only lasted maybe a year. And for the last portion of that year, they didn't even have him hosting all of his own shows. He had a lot of guest hosts uh, on at the end. Um, before it ended, and I guess even the final episode of the Pat Sajak show was not hosted by Pat Sajak. Hmm. So, well, that's just weird. It's, it, I read, <laughs> I read up on it. I was reading up a little bit on it the other night, and it was kind of a weird story. So, it's it, if you want to go check out the Wikipedia page on the Pat Sajak show, it's kind of got an interesting story to it. But yeah, it, it didn't last very long. There apparently was some big controversy about Rush Limbaugh coming on and guest hosting on his show and like causing an, an verbal fight in the audience. So yeah, it, it, it sounded a little crazy, but, uh, okay. So top book, uh, we, this one was like the entire month of December, uh, 1988, but the sands of time by Sidney Sheldon is still the top book. And I think it will be for the rest of January in 1989. The top movie is rain man. And the top songs uh, for the week of January 7th was Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Poison. And the top song for the week of January 14th is My Prerogative by Bobby Brown. Hmm. Gotta love me some poison. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, Pat, it's the moment you've been waiting for for three and a half years. Let's talk about Batman 89. (sighs) (laughs) You want to get nuts? Come on. Pat's, like Pat's going to start reenacting the scene from when Harry met Sally. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll have what he's having. <laughs> All right, so the movie title for this one, like I even need to say it, is Batman. Uh, it was released on the 23rd of June, 1989, rated PG-13, with a runtime of two hours and six minutes, directed by Tim Burton, who also did Beetlejuice, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and will be doing uh, Dumbo, which is coming out this year. Um, very quick little side note. He was actually uh, interviewed by somebody, I think they just caught him in the airport the other day, and so I don't know quite what's going on, but Dumbo is supposed to come out in March, and when the person caught him in the airport, he said he's still working on it. So apparently, they're still, I mean, that seems like you're cutting it kind of close at that point, but we'll see. So I'm still curious to see Dumbo. I, the, the previews look great, but I'm looking forward to it, but I thought that was a little strange that you know, maybe he just said that because he was caught off guard, but January's a little late to still be. Maybe he didn't want to uh, get drawn into a conversation about it. Right, right. Uh, producers for this one were Peter Goober and John Peters. Uh, Goober did Inner Space and Clue. Peters did Man of Steel and Ali. Uh, writers for this one for the story and screenplay were Sam Hamm. Uh, Hamm also did Batman Returns and the TV show Mantis. 
Um, some rewrites and other work were done by William Scarin, uh, for the screenplay. He also did Beetlejuice and Top Gun. Uh, William Scarin also died in 1990. Cinematography was done by Roger Pratt, who also did 12 Monkeys and two of the Harry Potter movies. Music was done by Danny Elfman, who did Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands. The budget was $35 million. The box office was $411.3 million, so it made some coin. It's just fine. The mm-hmm. Flick Metrics score is a 74. That's an average of the Tomato Meter, uh, which was a 72. The t- Rotten Tomatoes Audience score of an 84. IMDb gives it a 75. Letterboxd gives it a 72. And Metascore gives it a 69%. Starring Michael Keaton as Batman Bruce Wayne. He was also in Mr. Mom, Spotlight, and Birdman. Jack Nicholson as the Joker and Jack Napier. He was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and The Shining. Kim Basinger was Vicki Vale. She was in L.A. Confidential and Nine and a Half Weeks. Robert Wool was Alexander Knox. He was in Bull Durham and Good Morning Vietnam. Pat Hingle, who died in 2009, was Commissioner Gordon. He was in the Batman movies and Hang'em High. Billy D. Williams was Harvey Dent. He was in the Star Wars movies and Nighthawks. Michael Goff, was, uh, he died in 2011. He was Alfred. He was in the Batman movies and some episodes of Doctor Who in, I think, the 70s. Uh, Jack Palance, who died in 2006, played Carl Grissom. He was in City Slickers and Shane. Tracy Walter played Bob the Goon. He was in Conan the Destroyer and Repo Man. And William Hootkins died in 2005. He was Eckhart. He was in Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Flash Gordon. Bruce Wayne. And what do you do for a living? Lieutenant, is there a six-foot bat in Gotham City? Nice outfit. You look fine. I didn't ask. I have given a name to my pain. What are you? I'm Batman. Where does he get those wonderful toys? My life is really complex. Wing freak terrorizes. Wait till they get a load of me. All right, so really, really quickly before we get into talking uh, about the movie and what we liked about it and all that, I found, I kind of dug up in some behind-the-scenes stuff, some interesting things about the background of this movie. Um, This movie was originally announced as being in production in 1980, so it took this thing nine years to eventually come out, and it went through a lot of different changes. A script was written in 1983 that uh, was that featured the origins of Batman, Robin, and the Joker. So Robin was going to be in this movie almost up until the very end, uh, up until it really started getting made. And once that was done, it was set for a 1985 release. 
And then at that point, they went through a whole bunch of different directors and changes. And so, you know, they were, they had been working on this for nearly a decade by the time it ultimately came out. Uh, this one, it was just going to be called The Batman. And it was supposed to be, um, they originally wanted it to be a much darker movie, like even darker than it ended up being. But then as they tried to shop it around to different movie studios, they were like, no, 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 no. We, we, we want, where's the 60s Batman? Where's the, where's the campy? We like, we want comedy. Um, and at one point they actually had the director, Ivan Reitman was attached to direct this movie. And, and I'm, and I'm not kidding. This is who he wanted to play Batman and Robin. He wanted Bill Murray to play Batman and Eddie Murphy to play Robin. Hmm. Yeah. So thankfully that didn't happen. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> Only Ivan Reitman could think that was a good idea. Uh huh. Well, and they, I was reading up something too, that they had a, um, they did have a plan back in the seventies to make another Batman movie, possibly with Adam West. And it was going to be called Batman in outer space. Now see, that would have been terrible, but fun all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's see then. Okay. So, so back in 1980, when they were originally talking about this movie, um, somebody, I, I forgot who I, I wrote this down, but I didn't write down who did it. Um, somebody, as they were talking about potential actors for the Batman movie, uh, somebody brought in to one of the movie studios or to the producers, a doctored photo of Jack Nicholson from the shining with green hair and white face paint and said, Hey, he'd be great for the Joker. And then mm. after they went through a whole bunch of different thoughts on who could play Joker, they thought about Willem Dafoe. They thought about, um, Let's see, I think there were a couple other people. Uh, Willem Dafoe was one that kind of jumped out at me as, as one that they had considered for a while. Um, but then they kind of came back around to, hey, wait a minute, we've got this picture of Jack Nicholson that's been sitting here for nearly a decade of him in Joker makeup. That looks perfect. Let's do that. Hmm. Oh. All right. Well, hmm. so let's start off with... I, I'm not even going to ask if this is the first time watching this movie, because I'm assuming we've all seen this many, many, many times before. Yes, I have. Yeah, I think that'd be a true statement. Pretty, pretty safe in saying that. Okay, so let's start with this one then. In terms of a Batman story, how does this movie work as a story? It's not quite... I will start by saying it almost doesn't feel like it's quite an origin story, because... When we start the movie, he's already Batman. Like we're not getting a "here's how he became Batman" kind of right. story. We get we get his parents' death in flashbacks, but we don't get a you know it's not like Batman Begins. It's not Batman Year One, mm -hmm. so it's a little bit different than some of the other movies that we've gotten before. You know, like with with Superman, where we have to go through the entire backstory of how he became Superman. But this one's a little bit different. This one starts kind of in. Not the middle of the story, but at least he's been Batman for a little while. Yeah, he's he's already established as the character, which, you know what, I I never really thought about it, but I kind of like that that's where, uh, just, that's where it picks up. I would agree. It doesn't waste any time on it. It only tells you what it needs to. It, you know, you do get some of the origin of it, but not, you don't get bogged down in it. They don't try to... They don't try to tell you too much. They just give you the nuts and bolts and move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, because when I saw this, I wasn't, uh, I mean, I knew the 60s Batman and I knew, um, was it, it, was it 
was it the Bozo show that like ever so often they'd have like a cartoon and there was a Batman cartoon that they'd play. And I, it, I'm sure there was a set schedule, but I remember seeing that and thinking that thing was pretty cool. But I didn't read any of the comics or any of that stuff. So this was this was like my first experience really with Batman other than the 60s Batman thing. And I felt like there was enough there that I walked out that it was like, oh, okay, I know, you know, kind of know where Batman came from. And I know that, uh, you know, what he's all about and everything like that. But it was, it was enough information to advance the story, but you didn't get bogged down. It wasn't like an origin story where by the time we get to the end, it's, oh, he finally became Batman. And now we have to wait for the sequel to come out to get a Batman story. You know, it was like, it was all right there. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, that this is really, you know, when I, when I watched this movie, it was the same thing. I had read a few of the comics. I wasn't the quite the comic collector I am now, but I had read a few of the comics as a kid, but most of my exposure was the 60s Batman, which we'd watch all the time in reruns, uh, the Super Friends cartoon from the 80s, and then every once in a while you would have... Um, was it Adam? Was it Adam West that did the voice, and then Casey Kasem was Robin when they would show up on Scooby Doo? Oh yeah, that's right. Because every once in a while they'd show up on Scooby Doo and like help them solve a mystery. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if Adam West did the voice for that Batman, but I know Casey Kasem. I think even in like the the Super Friends cartoon, it might have been Casey Kasem uh, who did the voice of Robin, but. It definitely was for some of the Scooby-Doo movies, uh, Scooby-Doo cartoons. But that was, yeah, that was my experience with Batman going into this movie. And going into this movie, I was, what, eight and a half years old? And I, I remember seeing this in the theater, but I remember this being, you know, the, the Batman movie that we had watched most up to this point was the Batman movie uh, from the 66 Batman TV show, the one where you had Catwoman and Joker and Penguin and the Riddler all team up together, and they they steal the submarine, and Batman has mm-hmm. a shark hanging on his leg, and you know that's the Batman I knew before this movie came out, and so this movie gotta com- have the bat shark repellent. Not mm-hmm. in this movie, apparently, no sharks in this movie. But yeah, this movie completely blew my mind. I was like, okay, so whoa, 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 wait a minute. Now, now this is Batman. I'm I'm down with that. I'm good. Mm-hmm. So story wise, in terms of this as a story. You know, going through and telling, you do get the origin. So this is more of an origin movie for the Joker, and you get the origin of the Joker. So we, it for one of the first times, um, there was a Batman comic where they're kind of pulling from this, and and uh, it did kind of give an origin of the Joker character and and kind of where he came from. That uh, in the comic he was a kind of a failed comedian, and ended up almost accidentally taking part in a life of crime and, and uh, getting dropped into a vat of acid and or chemicals, and, and then he came out the way he was, and it kind of broke him and drove him crazy. and um, So we get that origin story, but then just as as this story, the, the fight between Batman and Joker and, and how the whole thing plays out, how does this work for you as a story? Do you like the story of this movie? I do. I, I think the story is, is... The story works in and of itself. You know, they they made a choice and they went with it and they ran with it. And um, every aspect of the story that they went with just works for, for the story that they wanted to tell. They didn't try to force in too many other aspects, too many other things. They had a very, seemingly, had a very clear idea of what they wanted to bring to this movie. And I think they, uh, I think they totally nailed it. I agree. I I think Jeff said it. I think Jeff said it the best. The stuff that they put in there was 
yeah. I'm not even going to, like, I'll just end up repeating exactly what he said. But, yeah, I, I agree completely with what Jeff said. Yeah, not much to add. I mean, that's... So, one of the things that Tim Burton has said about the theme of this movie is that, and I, this is a direct quote from Tim Burton, uh, he said, The whole film and mythology of the character is a complete duel of the freaks. It's a fight between two disturbed people. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. I think that's one of the things I like about this movie is that, and I, I notice it, I really only noticed it in watching this movie as an adult or, or at least older than a child. Um, and one of the things that I've really noticed watching this movie in the last, oh, 20-ish years or so is just how there's not, other than one of them being a murderous psychopath, there's really, in in some ways there's not that much of a difference between Bruce Wayne and Jack Napier that they've both been broken in some way and they're both very psychologically damaged and each one chooses to play out that damage in a different way, but that you're very, and, and I notice it more so as I get older and I'm watching this in the way that people almost talk about Bruce Wayne and Batman that, you know, well, what kind of a, you know, what, what does something like this do to a kid? And that you get that sense that, yes, this is two people that are, that are very broken. Um, and it, it does, Joker even makes a comment at one point. Doesn't he say something like, oh, I'm forgetting what it is, but isn't there at some point in the movie, he says something like, you know, we're really not that different in, in not those words, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is the line? We're not that different, you and I. Um... I feel like it comes up somewhere. But th this is one of the first times where I remember that you you played with the idea that, well, you know what? It push push Batman just a little bit further, and he's not necessarily all that different from some of his villains. Like, if you were to right. push him in a more villainous way, then he's still, you know, he, he's still psychologically broken just like the villains are. Uh, he just happens to kind of hold on to that hero mentality and, and the idea that he's doing good. And I think of this movie as being the first time that I really thought about it that way. So I'm going to throw something out there. And I, you guys, uh, you guys set me straight if I'm going wrong on this. It's interesting that to hear you guys say that because when I sat down and rewatched it, and I mean, I watch this thing frequently. And, you know, if, they're, if it's on TV, I'll fire it on or whatnot. But after checking out you know, the portrayal of, you know, most recently, you know, in the, in the DC, uh, EU Batman portrayals where they're really trying to make him the dark, uh, brooding counterpunch to Superman. And then in the, um, uh, which I've enjoyed. And then in the, uh, Christian Bale Batman, um, where, I mean, I think they really, I, I, I see them as really trying to bring out that tortured, uh, individual and trying to, you know, are, are you the Batman and then Bruce Wayne is the costume or are you Bruce Wayne and Batman's the costume? Um, and just uh, what uh, Dark Knight, I think, is, is on Netflix. And I watched that the other day and it's just like, oh, my gosh, you know, the whole thing, he's questioning himself. And is he doing the right thing? And they really focus on him getting beat up and and all this. I'll be honest with you. I watched this one and the thing that came to mind, uh, John, was actually in listening to you talk about, um, gr uh, what's it, Green Arrow, and how you really like watching Flash more than Green Arrow, because in Green Arrow, it's almost so brooding, 
if I got your quote right, it's so brooding and so like, oh, this is awful and all that, that you're kind of like, you know, you get that a little bit, but you kind of like the Flash where he's out there having fun. He's right. got these powers and he's enjoying what he's doing. And I'll be honest, I watched this one and I mean, yeah, it was disturbing, especially as a kid seeing, you know, uh, another kid where his parents are gunned down. And yeah, I mean, obviously he feels compelled to right the wrongs and all that. But in watching this one, I kind of was struck with, I thought Michael Keaton brought almost a humanity to the Bruce Wayne uh, slash Batman character that hasn't been there in some of the modern iterations. And and like I said, if I'm missing something, like that's cool. But I, I, I almost was like, man, this seems to be the most well-adjusted Bruce Wayne that I can think of in in some of our modern Batman things. I mean, yeah, he's really upset and yeah, he wants to get this Jack Napier guy and yeah, he's out there beating up criminals, but he just seems like a normal dude. You, you get what I'm saying? I mean, he was, and, and it seems like he realizes he's got this skill or power or whatever he's got. And yeah, okay, what kind of a man, what kind of a world where a man dressed up as a bat steals all my press, but still, He's like, well, no, this, this is my mission. Uh, this, is my, this is my thing in life. I'm going to go out and I'm going to take care of the crime, um, the scumbags out there. And so, you know, he seems a little goofy and, 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 and weird. And maybe it's the, it's the portrayal of, uh, what's his name, Michael Keaton's portrayal. But he almost seems almost more human or more well-adjusted in this one than any of the other Batmans that we've seen. He, you, I, I agree with you. I think he seems a little bit less obsessed in this one mm -hmm. than he does in some of the others. Some of the others, it's the whole idea of Batman is the obsession. Whereas this one, to me, I don't see that obsessed nature. I see that he feels like it's, you know, th this happened to him and it's his job mm -hmm. to go do this to go like he he puts on the costume and that's his job to go you know when he tells um i think he tells uh vicky vale um i think he tells her the one time he says i've got to go to work um, and you know when they're talking about their relationship and he's like you know i i would like to but this guy's out there and, and i gotta go to work right now and then earlier when he's trying to describe when he's trying to tell her that he's batman he's going through the whole thing he's like you know when uh, somebody else, you know, you know how regular people, they have a job and they, they wake up in the morning and they get dressed and go downstairs and have breakfast and go to a job and kiss somebody, say goodbye. And, and he goes through that whole thing. This Batman seems a little bit more like it's, it's a job. I mean, a job that he takes very personally, but it's not quite I, the Christian Bale Batman is maybe a little bit more obsessed and definitely the comic book Batman, at mm -hmm. least recently is, or in the last 30, 40 years is a little bit more obsessed about it. Mm -hmm. um, but this Batman, not so much. But I wonder if that's part of the nature of the story, mm -hmm. because as, uh, as we pointed out, you know, this is a Batman that is already fully immersed in, in, in this role of being Batman, right? The movie starts and he's always, he's already well established of being Batman. So maybe, because, you know, and I'm thinking of just the Christian Bale mm -hmm. Batman movies when, you know, you're, you're seeing it from the ground up. You're seeing him become this character. You're seeing him go through the trials and tribulations of 
becoming this character and then it's this brand new shiny thing so of course you're going to obsess over it like it's you know uh, your favorite christmas present but michael keaton because seemingly his bruce wayne has been leading this double life for quite a while now maybe it's not as shiny and new as it is more of just a responsibility that he has mm-hmm. so he's no longer in that ob- obsessing obsessive mind frame mm-hmm. and and jumping off your point we also with the i keep saying the christian bale batman but who is the guy that actually wrote and directed and all that kind of stuff uh christopher nolan chris nolan yeah in the, in the chris nolan batman i mean um you also get the benefit of sequels that are really well done that really can help flesh out different aspects of the story. Batman begins, like you were just saying, Jeff, the ground up, the shiny new thing, him establishing himself. Dark Knight, okay, his, you know, Batman versus his arch nemesis that really, I mean, what a fantastic movie that was on so many different levels. But at its core, you know, Batman and Joker and, you know, how do you balance all that? And then the Dark Knight Rises, okay, he's been beaten down. How does he pull himself back up? You have, you know, you can really flesh out different aspects of the story. In this, we really don't have sequels that are of that same quality that really can flesh out different aspects of the story. You get what I'm saying? I mean, okay, the Batman Returns, or yeah, that was the second one. I mean, that kind of started to go a little bit more of the comic book approach. And you get some of that because, I mean, in, in the sequel, he was there was him talking with uh, Catwoman and, you know, like, hey, we can find our way out of this. And I know you're damaged, but let me help you and all this kind of thing. Um, but it really didn't go as in-depth. And then once you get into the third and the fourth Batman, let's just say they, they were making it strides more towards the campy side of things as opposed to, you know, like quality story uh, that I actually think you got really strongly in the first one. So I, I think that's my, my long-winded point is, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, and I think what going along with that is we don't have high-quality sequels to this that can help continue that story arc that, that, um, that was started with this. Wait, there, in this series there was a fourth Batman? No, no, there wasn't, John. It did not exist. Okay, thank you. It, it does. Thank you. It does not exist. I, mm, I was gonna have to go raid. Wow. The, I was gonna have to go raid the liquor cabinet if we were gonna start that. Conning right now, huh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when when that movie's involved, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, what movie? Quick, uh, quick tangent: When my brother and sister and I went to go see that thing in the theater. Um, we we were let's see i was in high school at the time and they would have been uh my sister probably middle school my brother elementary school it was just the three of us that went I, I think i took them to go see it and even as kids i remember at one point in the movie all three of us just like looked at each other and we're like what is this piece of crap that we're watching yeah like it's not even as kids we we're like this is not good this is should we like go ask for our money back <laughs> so yeah but that's that's a podcast for what eight years from now for never yeah um, do you guys remember seeing uh, seeing this one 
I do. I remember going with my, my dad. My dad took us, and they had a um, the theater that we went to in the uh, one of the suburbs of Dallas. Um, they actually had a replica of the Batmobile out front at the theater. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I vividly remember going to see this one. Pat, do you remember going to see this in the theater, or were you... Did you catch it at a later nope. time? I remember seeing it in a theater, and it's funny. It was, it was kind of... Uh, uh, a father-son trip kind of thing and uh well let me let me specify i had a, a younger brother and a younger sister so this was like getting to go see a movie with dad that the younger siblings couldn't go see and so that made it special and it was also i don't i don't know it it might have been like the first um um or one of the first pg-13 movies that i ever saw so I was kind of getting to that age that I was able to, you know, folks were letting me go out and see some of the movies that had a little bit more um, uh, higher end kind of stuff. And I just remember, I remember my dad was talking to my grandparents and um, uh, my grandma um, was like, oh, you're going to go see Batman. I always liked watching that show. And um, I remember my dad uh turning to her and saying, well, look, Ma, uh, no, this, this isn't the thing from the 60s. He said, this, <laughs> this is a little bit more like Blade Runner. We're, we're in for a heavy-duty movie. <laughs> and I just remember him saying that to my grandma, and I was just, like, so excited. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to go see, but that sounds awesome, you know, because my dad was setting the whole thing up. And so, yeah, I remember going to the theater, and just as soon as the lights went down and that, that I mean – what words to describe the soundtrack? Uh, uh, the, I mean, I don't want to just say awesome, but I'm too too tired to find the thesaurus right now. So I'm just going to say that soundtrack came on in that haunting melody, and it was just like... You're in for a ride. This is going to be really great, you know. Yes. So, uh, I, I such a great theme and such a great like you hear it and it's it's just exciting. I know. It, yeah, it's outstanding. Yeah, it, it just okay. So uh, keep I'm gonna keep it short. I don't want to talk over people and all that. But yeah, I I can I can still remember. I can still feel what it was like sitting in that movie theater seat um, and just you know, being excited that week that, you know, my dad said that to my grandma and I'm just like, Oh wow, this is going to be awesome. And, uh, so, so yeah, I, um, I very much remember seeing it in the theater for the first time. Cool. So the, the one thing I vividly remember about seeing this in the theater was the, at the very beginning of the movie, when the two crooks up on the roof, uh, shoot Batman and he goes down mm -hmm. because up to that point, you didn't have a bulletproof Batman. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a kid being like, Whoa, they, it's the beginning of the movie. They just killed Batman. Mm -hmm. And then he just gets right back up again. I'm like, well, Batman's got superpowers. Mm -hmm. And then you find out later that it's bu no, bulletproof. The superpower but, is he's rich. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. And he kicks the guy through the door. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, I watched this movie um, a few weeks ago with John, with my son. And he had never 
never seen it before. It's his first time watching it. And just, and it had been a little while since I had watched it too. And just every, every scene of this movie, I cannot think of a scene of this movie that like a time where you'd like get up and go get something else to drink or go get a snack or, or something like that. I cannot think of a scene in this movie where I'd be like, oh, okay, time to go get a snack so I can, you know, get back before something good happens. Mm-hmm. It's just like every beat of this movie, it's a constant two hours of either really quality story, developing the character of the Joker, you know, developing the Batman character, the action, the just everything plays together to make this one of these movies that there's not a time to get up and go to the bathroom or there's not a time to get up and go get something. Hey, real quick. Um, Jeff, Bo, did you guys talk about when you remember seeing it for the first time or, or did you say, did you see it in a the theater? I, uh, I saw it in the theater. Um, we were on a family vacation visiting some relatives in Cleveland. And I remember my uncle organizing a trip for, uh, for, uh, for all of us to go. And he had bought my older brother and I uh, Batman hats. Mm-hmm. And, them, and they were just like black trucker hats with the Batman logo patch on the front of it. I don't remember watching the movie in the theater, but I know we went to the theater because I remember that part of it happening and him handing us these hats on the way to the movie. Yeah, I don't think I saw it in the theater. I feel like this was a big deal when we got the VHS copy, like... We went and rented it, and we watched it, and then we rented it again, and to the point where my dad was like, oh, God, we'll just buy it, or something mm-hmm. crazy like that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, even then, you knew it was so good. So let me ask you this. In terms of the actors in this movie, because this was this was kind of a, a risk at the time uh, to have these actors uh, in these roles, um, you know, I, I think Jack Nicholson, everybody kind of, you know, Everybody kind of wondered, like, well, what's what's he doing in the superhero movie? Um, you know, playing the Joker. That that I don't know if that seems right for him, but especially Michael Keaton, up to this point, had really only been a comedic actor, um, and so I think a lot of people were really nervous about seeing him portrayed as Batman. And I think originally, when some of that information came out, people actually started to to claim they were going to boycott the movie or they were really unhappy with the movie. Uh, Tim Burton, they only knew as the director of Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So mm-hmm. it, it made a lot of people nervous. Um, you know, obviously we've said we love this movie. We think everybody did a great job, but let's talk a little bit about the actors in the movie compared even maybe with some of the other Batman movies. How do you feel about the, the ensemble in this movie? Well, I, I, I think it definitely interesting choices. And once you settle on uh, Jack Nicholson as the Joker, then you really got to think carefully about, well, who do we get to, the opposite Jack Nicholson. Right. I mean, you got to have somebody who can bring it. Yeah. So the fact that they went with someone like Michael Keaton definitely, definitely was a risk at the time, because like you said, he was doing a lot more comedic roles, but I think this is the film really that may have launched him uh, or, or uh, launched his career to have different opportunities because he got to do something other than the comedic. And he definitely brought it. Um, you know, and I've said before, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast or not, but when you're talking about the character of Batman, what you really need to be casting is the character of Bruce Wayne. You need you need to have a believable Bruce Wayne. Batman isn't that difficult to cast. Bruce Wayne is. But he had his characterization of Bruce Wayne had such charisma 
and confidence that, you know, it, it really, he really commanded the scenes he was in and by just being very minimal in those scenes. So I think it definitely worked out, uh, worked out for him. I would agree. I love the way his Bruce Wayne is so, um, odd. Eccentric. The the Bruce Wayne that Christian Bale plays (laughs) is too much like Batman. He's too Mm. brooding and too intense where I feel like the Michael Keaton Bruce Wayne is kind of a dork. He's rich, so he's still, you know, rich. But he's kind of a dork, and I think it kind of works. I've always liked this Bruce Wayne portrayal. I've thought it was the most genuine to the original thought behind the Bruce Wayne Batman dynamic. It's almost it's almost kind of like with I, I think about this in terms of Superman and, you know, with like the Christian Bale Batman is that you almost get into there being three identities, you know, with the I, I think particularly of like the Smallville uh, portrayal of Superman of Clark Kent Superman and, and in some of the comics, too, you've almost got three. You've almost got the Clark Kent, you know, as he grew up and most of his very close friends know him. Then you've got the nerdy Clark Kent that is kind of the disguise he puts on as he's an adult and, and has to have some kind of a disguise for Superman. And then you've got Superman. So then, like, which one is the real one? Is it the, you know, the Clark Kent that he only shows his closest friends and family? Is it the nerdy Clark Kent that he, the bumbling one that he, you know, shows when he's the newspaper reporter? Is it Superman? And then you get to, like, this movie compared with the Christian Bale ones, I almost feel like... The Christian Bale ones, he's got the three identities. He's got the, um, you know, he's the the millionaire, kind of obsessive. Um, he puts on the show of being the, uh, you know, drunk playboy, you know, hanging out with two or three girls at once. And then he's also Batman. Where, in, as in this movie, you've just got, he's an eccentric billionaire, millionaire, whatever he is. Um, and then he's Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love, I, I think Michael Keaton is probably one of the best Bruce Waynes of any portrayal that they've ever had of Batman. Agreed. So we talked a little bit about, uh, you talked a little bit about the music, and Danny Elfman was kind of another um, risk that they were taking um, at the time. I mean, he had done Pee-wee's Big Adventure, he had done Beetlejuice, but people still kind of thought of him as the guy from, from uh, Oingo Boingo. So... Mm-hmm. They kind of were like, wait a minute, the, the director of, of Pee-wee, the guy from Oingo Boingo, the comedian, they're all going to do a Batman movie. And I, th- I think, Pat, maybe you said earlier, the minute you hear that opening theme come on uh, at the, the very beginning of the movie, when you get the opening credits, it's just like, nope, we're, we're good now. We're off to the races. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and really good themes and and good good music you know and that's sometimes what i struggle with 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 some of the with with some of the the later batman uh the movies um and and i mean what's the theme for the the christopher nolan batmans i mean can anyone can anyone sing the theme can anyone right and i mean not to say that the music's bad because i mean that's just how music is used in movies. And I, I don't, you know, my, my new resolution, I'm trying not to diss anybody, especially people with more talent than myself. I mean, I'm nothing, no knock on it, but if you ask my preference, 
I mean, what's the theme for Batman? I mean, so it's like you can start it. You know it. And it's not just because I watched the movie 24 hours ago. Like you can identify those themes. And uh, and I just think that, yeah, it's it's the sound. It's the it's the themes. And it's it really as as Jeff has so put so eloquently so many times the music really is a character in this film yeah i i love the theme in this movie um and i think bo may have said it earlier that it's just it's 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 a little bit of a, a haunting tone to it it's but the the tempo is there that just keeps it driving forward um but there there is something uncomfortable about it uh or maybe just 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 a little uncertain, so that when you hear it, you're you're, you're not, it's not triumphant the way that the Superman theme is. Mm-hmm. It's got its mm-hmm. own personality, its own darkness to it, but still really good. And I love that they reused it for the animated series. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Hey, so I'm gonna go music geek out on this, but you know, you bring up such a good point that. Okay, there isn't. It isn't triumphant. It is there, the music contains a struggle. But if you go back and listen at the very end, when um, you know bum, they take bum, it, bum, yes, bum, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and it builds, yeah. bum, bum, bum. and and each time it, it doesn't just repeat. I'm I'm going to sing it sound off key and embarrass myself to all of our music listeners. So I'm not going to do that. But if you listen to it, it does right at the end as the camera's panning up and he's standing on the roof, the building top. And it puts that last little trumpet fa- fanfare in there. If you notice, it it doesn't just repeat it, but it's like a sequence, and it keeps building up. It keeps building up the scale so that by the time it's like the third or fourth time it repeats, it gets to that last bum bum bum. It, it slows down, and it it gets to that last chord, and it just it has a feel of finality to it. It has a feel of triumph, and you only get it at the very very end of the movie in that scene. I'm it and. I remember being a kid and thinking, oh, all right, the, the movie's ending. He's done it. This is it. There's not going to be any, you know, there's no cliffhanger. This, And it was the music really helped to convey that as much as that powerful scene of him looking up at the bat symbol and it panning up a building and him standing on top of the world, so to speak. And and the music really brought that brought that out. Are there church bells ringing as well? Yes. I, I think so. I always remember when I when I hear it in my head, there are. Yeah, like I, I want to say there's church bells ringing in there as well as just the triumphant, uh, the triumphant music, and you and you pair that with that final shot of him standing on the ledge of the building, yes. overlooking Gotham. It is like that might be my favorite part of the movie. Actually, it is such yeah. a uh, su- such a well shot scene. Mm-hmm. I've got the soundtrack right here. I might start putting it on, but I'm like. <laughs> like uh... 
like totally throw off our recording. Well, you know, in that that last little bit of it where it's the bum 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 bum, yes. and it does that kind yep. of triumphant thing at the end there. Yeah, that always reminded me, um, at least as an adult, uh, it always reminded me of the two thousand one um, from the movie two thousand one: A Space Odyssey. The thus spake there there the I'm gonna mess it up. Zarathustra. It reminds me of that piece of music and like the triumphant sound of that one, mm-hmm. just like the the majestic, you know, final ringing out of whatever it is, whether it's space or victory or whatever. It is, and it's almost and and, and to to keep the the thematic thing of the of the movie soundtrack going, it it echoes the you know that it, that opening quote. It's like a variation on that. So it really drives home that that repeated theme. So, all right. Do we have a favorite scene in this movie? All of them. All yeah. from from the beginning part to the ending part. Yeah, that scene. Okay. Um, gosh, favorites. I've been thinking about this one for a while, and all I'm going to say is when the like, Batwing appeared. Like three years, you've been thinking about this one. What was that? Like three years, you've been thinking about it. Yeah, for three years. Yeah. And honestly, I, I could just say everything's awesome and. Whenever he has those wonderful toys, but I'm really going to actually try to have one scene, and I'll just I'll I'll go back to when I was uh, first saw the movie and I was sitting there, and then the Batwing came on the screen, mm-hmm. and it was like, oh man, he's got a plane, that's great. And then you why re- didn't anybody tell me he had one of those? <laughs> I know he Things. stole my balloons, um, <laughs> but no, the Batwing, and um, and it was, and now I know that Batman, strictly speaking is anti-gun and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, I was, well, however the heck old I was when I saw it, and so I didn't know the rules. And it's like Batman's got a plane. The plane looks like the bat symbol, which makes it that much cooler. And the thing is armed with rockets and two Gatling guns. I'm just like, <laughs> that is unbelievably, like, so when that when that happened, that was, whew, that was, uh, you know, yeah, that was, Little Patrick yeah, became a man. <laughs> That's when my eyes are. What was the line out of Lethal Weapon 3? I just want him to know he's the jam in my jelly roll. Well, right there, I, that that was it, man. That was that was pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I try to narrow down a favorite scene in this one, and I, I have a hard time choosing, but I, I think I'm going to go with the entire, from the moment they enter the church until the end of the movie. Oh. Or at least until the end, when they when when Joker falls to the ground, but just that whole part of the movie, um, just I I love every part of that, like all the different fights he has to get in with the different uh, goons and henchmen, and you know the Joker being Joker, and you wouldn't wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? Um, just that the whole thing, just love every part of it. Mm-hmm. And and I gotta say, how about when he gets to the top, and all of a sudden Vicky Vale's there, and it's like all hope is lost, and all yeah. of a sudden she sees him just walking around, mm-hmm. and so she starts kind of coming onto the Joker to distract mm-hmm. him, to distract him, and all of a sudden you hear in just the regular Michael Keaton voice, yeah. "Excuse me, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight?" <laughs> yeah. Smack. And then he goes at <laughs> boom. <laughs> oh, that was great. Excuse me. Have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? Yeah. One thing I forgot to mention um, was that when I lived over in England, actually our next door neighbor was, um, it was a husband and wife. I think if they had kids, they were grown and out of the house. 
and I believe they were French. And we went over to their house one time. I, I only remember going over there one time and he had actual models from the movie of Gotham city because he had been one of the model builders. Cool. When they made this movie, I do not remember the person's name. I just remember that he and his wife were French and that he had these models of Gotham city. Cause when they filmed it um, over in England, he was actually one of the model builders for different scenes from within Gotham. So when they created and designed what the buildings would look like and, and had the models that they shot, he had some of the models that had been used in, um, in the making of the movie. And I remember a couple of other times too, that we would, it, when we would drive out to, when we lived over there, sometimes we'd drive out to the different, uh, like, giant manor houses, like the stuff you'd see on Downton Abbey or, or some show like that. And a few of the different times we were on, we were either in, like, a forest, we were driving down a road in the forest, and, like, that was the road where you see the Batmobile driving down uh, in one part of the movie. And I, I don't think we ever went to the actual mansion uh, some of the mansions or some of the areas that were used for the filming, but we were in a couple of places where they had shot um, scenes of the Batmobile kind of driving through the forest when he's getting back to the cave and, and all that. So, But that was that just blew my mind as a kid to go next door to our neighbor's house and find out that he had worked on the Batman movie. Cool. That's cool. I wish I still knew his name, otherwise I would have called him and had him on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Right. Practiced my French a little bit, too. I will say watching just the opening couple of scenes and I'll be a bit of a special effects dork for a moment but watching the first couple of scenes was so exciting seeing old school practical effects like they really did that they didn't yeah. try to fake it it's not digital it's it was pretty sweet yeah. the models and mm-hmm. the, just the real stuff that they had to use to make this movie Mm-hmm. that's going to be, I'm going to echo that again next week when we talk about Last Crusade. Because mm-hmm. that's another thing about that movie is it being Steven Spielberg, you know, I know he's working with George Lucas, but even at the time it was still your practical effects. You, you might have a little bit of, you know, CGI or, or other stuff in there as much as you could at the time, but for the most part, your practical effects. And it just, I, I like it better when you've got, you, you can have some of the computer stuff, but as long as it's mixed in with the real. Right. Yeah, I mean, now there's so much computer stuff that it's 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 looking like you know it's glorified animated movie. Right. Jeff, did you mention if you had a favorite scene or not? You know, I've been trying to think of one, and I can't think of one. Okay. What I do really like is just Nicholson's portrayal of the Joker and the evolution of that character and how he gets from being Jack Napier. You know, his, his number one guy. And my number one guy. You know, to being where he is in the top of the church by the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And how he's just completely lost his mind. Mm-hmm. That that progression of the character, I think, is is what I really enjoy about this movie. And then, like I said, the um, that just that final shot of the movie with him standing looking over Gotham with that, the, the triumphant music finally playing. Oh, I was, I was going to say under the scene, really over the scene. It's mm-hmm. that the music that takes over there, the visual is great, but the music is really driving that moment. I really do like that. Yeah. I, one of the things I like, one of my, one of my favorite scenes actually with the two of them together is 
uh, at first not together and then together is when they both show up at Vicky Vale's apartment and you have, you know, Bruce Wayne, you know, first thing he walks in, looks around, nice place, lots of space. And then Joker well, walks in later on, thing, says yeah. exactly the same thing. Nice place, mm-hmm. lots of space. Yeah. And then you, you get that whole scene of, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get Come nuts. Come on, let's get nuts. <laughs> that might be my favorite scene just because it's the one I quote the most often. Mm-hmm. I do know the one I quote the most often is what Jeff just said, because I, I used to do that to the kids, and it probably creeped them out a little bit because they'd never seen this movie, was I'd, you know, grab them by the shoulders and be like, and remember, you are my number one, a guy. So if you ever want to do that to your kids, freak them out. Don't show them the movie first. Just do that for a couple of years, and then show them the movie, and then have them just be like, oh, that's where that came from. That reminds me. Uh, Pat, have your kids seen this yet? They have not. I, uh, I, I, I still feel like Dominic might be a little bit young for this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's there's some things that he's – and it's kind of a feel thing for him. Daniela, yeah, I, I mean, at five. Dominic's nine, so I mean, I'm sure he could get it, but uh, – I don't know. We might wait just a little bit longer. Plus, there's there's a number of other movies that he really wants to see first. So, I don't I don't want to put this off too long. But I, I think it'll only get better the older he is, the more he'll be able to grasp. So sure, yeah. So we're still waiting on that one. All right. Well, before I run into our five questions section, do we have anything else we want to say about the movie itself? Would you, would would any of us say that this is the like if you are a Batman fan? You have to see this this portrayal of Batman. I think even if you're not a Batman oh. fan, you have to see this portrayal of. And maybe that's a better way to say it. I guess, like, say you've seen the Christian Bale and you're you're a younger guy, and you need to see this version. I feel like it's oh, absolutely, it's part of the evolution. foundational. It's yeah, it, it's part of the evolution of the the character. I don't know if you get the Chris Nolan oh. films without having this movie. And it's downward spiraling sequels jumping off of, you know, the, the 60s TV show. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think this one came just came along at the right time. It had been enough years since the TV show. There weren't a lot of superhero movies going on in the late 80s. So the fact that this one was happening was, you know, it was a big deal at the time. Yeah, it spawned off its its ugly stepsisters of sequels, but you know the the Christian Bale movies, uh, and or, or the Chris Nolan movies, I should say. Enough time had passed since uh, Batman Forever. You know, it was it was like a breath of fresh air. There still wasn't a lot going on in terms of superhero movies. Uh, you know, I think at the same time that Batman Begins came out, you were looking at what like maybe uh, one of the Tobey Maguire. Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. Oy, yeah, I forgot about those. Maybe an X-Men movie had come out by then. Yeah, you had at least you had at least one X-Men movie because I think X-Men came out in two thousand. Uh, you had the movie that will not be mentioned came out in ninety seven, mm-hmm. um, and then you had X-Men. I think came out in two thousand. The first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man I think was o two, and then Batman Begins I believe was either o four or o five. I thought it was like I go five maybe. So, yeah. So I think, you know, just enough time had passed since, um, since the last Batman movie had come out and there still wasn't a huge push like we're seeing now with superhero movies and, and these, these, uh, cinematic universes 
So I think you know, it's just part of the, this movie, the 89 Batman, is just part of the evolution of the visual medium of the character. It mm-hmm. must be seen. It, it, you know, Not that it should be seen. It must be seen by you know super fans and 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 those that aren't huge fans because it's just a well done movie it's a solid story it's incredibly well acted i mean there are a couple things that i don't like about some of the acting but overall you know i think it's a solid movie that could be enjoyed by everybody should they give it a chance well said so here's here's a horrible question I'm going to ask that is not part of our five questions. Is this your favorite superhero movie? Favorite uh-uh. superhero movie? Mm-hmm. Superhero movie. I don't I don't think so. Okay. It, it it's it's, it's very well done. I don't know if I don't know if it's my favorite of all the superhero movies ever, but it's definitely it's definitely up there. Oh yeah. Yeah, it might be mine though. Okay. That's an interesting way to look at this movie. I hadn't really thought about that. I I still think I got to go with if if I had to pick like a favorite superhero movie. Uh, I, I think I got to go Superman two. Yeah. And I maybe part of that is is the sentimental attachment of having watched it a lot with my dad, and maybe that's part of that. But I. Well, you're also. I mean, you you'll make no bones about it. Your favorite superhero in general is going to be Superman. Oh yeah. Yeah. Whereas mine is mine tends towards Batman. Um, you're just a darker. A little, you're just a darker guy. With a little Thor and Iron Man thrown in mm-hmm. for good measure, but ooh, that's a tough one. I'd have to think a little more about some of the newer, some of the earlier Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff. Mm-hmm. First couple Iron Mans, first Captain America. But this has got to be close. Where does that come in for you, Pat? Is this is this favorite or? You know what? Oh man, I can't, I can't, I can't say that. I mean, if it was favorite, then he'd have mutton chops and and like uh, claws coming out of his hands. But I mean, um, I, I no, honestly, I think uh, it's it's definitely up there, uh, a top five. I mean, it's 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 great. You need the here's what you need. You need the comic book that they did back in the '90s, where they mixed, uh, they created an alternate universe where they mixed Marvel and DC <laughs> characters together, and they actually mixed yeah. together Batman and Wolverine and called him Dark Claw. Yeah, really, that's yep. what I need, man. That there would be. Go. I'm gonna I'll, go look that up. That I'll bring it like to you tomorrow. Right up my alley. Okay, that sounds good. I'll I'll need a sub uh, for my classes. Um, uh, yeah, I, you know what? It's it's definitely up there. I, I love this movie. I mean, there's been no joke about that. I love watching this movie. Um, but but really, I love watching the Christopher Nolan Batmans as well. Um, those are great. And then beyond that, you know, um, Logan. I, I mean, I man, I it's hard to get past that movie. I I thought that was a fantastic uh, uh, thing. And then. You know, like like uh, Bo was saying, once you go into the Marvel or Jeff or whoever was saying this before was once you get into the Marvel universe and you go back. I mean, you go back and watch the original Iron Man. That thing's crazy. Or or the original Avengers movie. I mean, you know that, and especially when that came out, where you have that ensemble cast and you just perfectly blend the humor and the action and the. 
there's so many offerings. It's really that would be really hard for me to pick the number one. But um, uh, this is this is definitely in the conversation because it's uh, uh, yeah, it was nice. it's, it's a great. And show. Jeff, did you did you say it wasn't? It's not your favorite, but it's up there. Yeah, it's definitely up there. I don't know if it's my favorite. I think, you know, as of right now with this recording, I'd have to sit and look at a list of superhero movies because I yep. can't even think of, of of what movies populate that genre. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I feel confident in saying it's not my favorite. Okay. But I also feel confident in saying it's definitely, you know, definitely up towards the top of the list, though. Okay. I did just look up a picture of Dark Claw. Yeah, this is quite the character. <laughs> I'll I'll bring him tomorrow. You guys can take a look at him if you want. Heck yeah, man! Yeah. All right, so I think it's time for our five questions. Is everybody ready for five questions? Let's do it. Sure. All right. He asks each traveler five questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. You've got to ask yourself one question. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. So our five questions, uh, we, when we do this each episode, we have five questions that are related or loosely related to the movie that we're talking about. So I've got five questions. Uh, we're going to go through these kind of rapid fire. Uh, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on each one of them, but uh, we'll have each person give an answer to the five questions. We've posted them up ahead of time, so if you had a chance to look on our Twitter, then you saw them ahead of time, and you can feel free to call in or tweet in or whatever you want to do and, and answer the five questions yourself, and we will share your answers on our next episode. So... The first of the five questions, question number one. If you were Batman, would you tell Vicky Vale your secret identity? Hatless. No. Oh, Jeff, we'll start with you. <laughs> no. All no. right, so you're a definite no? Yeah, definite no. Okay. No. No? She hasn't earned it. Okay. I, I'm agreeing with uh, what everything that's been said. Okay. I'd say no. And then... Even if you were going to say, oh, well, you know, one day maybe they're going to get married and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, but then what you learn is is half of marriage is knowing just to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and uh, uh, or, or the secret of marriage is knowing when to keep your mouth shut. Uh, and, yeah, just just keep okay. that on the DL. Right. Well, I, I mean, it's a secret identity, right? Right. Last time I checked. If you're telling people about it, then it's not really a secret. True. Alfred knows. But you can trust him. Okay. Alfred's special. My Well, that's actually, my answer was kind of similar to Pat's. It was no, unless your relationship is going to become much more long-term or permanently long-term, uh, in which case, then yes. But for somebody who's a reporter and, you know, reporters have a tendency to want to reveal truths, uh, I, I think I probably would lean towards no. All right. Question number two. What is your favorite Batman story? And this can be any iteration of Batman that has ever existed. Comics, film, TV, something you scratched on the back of a napkin. What is your favorite Batman story? Well, I might just have to say Dark Claw because I'm looking at pictures. 
this has got to be for me. I mean, the the animated series was awesome, mm-hmm. and I do love that when I get the chance to see it. But this is definitely, when it comes to Batman, my my go to. Okay, favorite Batman story. I wasn't sure what you meant by what you meant by this question, mm-hmm. but in terms of just specific story being told, I love the Court of Owls storyline. Mm, yeah. Scott Snyder's uh, run with Court of Owls was awesome. That The more recent stuff in the comics, the Court of Owls, the Death of the Family was a good one, too. Death of the Family was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at comic book-wise, I, I, I couldn't narrow it down comic book-wise, so I, I can't really, that's not going to be my answer. Um, I have several favorites, and a lot of them are from the either the 90s or the early 2000s, because that's really when I started collecting comics. So the the Nightfall storyline where Batman's back gets broken and somebody else takes over for a while. Uh, there was a Contagion story where Ra's al Ghul uh, spreads this deadly disease that has no cure and Robin ends up contracting it and a lot of the other Batman you know, supporting characters contract this disease and Batman's got to find a, a cure to it. And uh, No Man's Land where Gotham is destroyed by an earthquake. And then it kind of, you know, everything falls apart into like these gang territories and Batman has his own gang that he's trying to, you know, bring Gotham back to, to what it was. And so all these different, oh, the Batman vampire stories, the the alternate universe where he becomes a vampire. And, you know, there's so many of the comic stories that I absolutely love that I have a hard time narrowing it down. If I were to think about one of my favorite single Batman stories, I, I'm going to throw all of those to the side and I'm going to say I really enjoy the episode of the animated series where Bruce Wayne meets his uh, childhood hero, the Grey Ghost. Hmm. There was an episode where there's he, there's some, I'm trying to remember how it all works out. I think it's somebody, a disgruntled uh, business owner who owns a toy store and, and has all these vintage toys. And he is angry because no one wants to buy them anymore. And so he starts using like little remote controlled robots and cars and planes to set off bombs in Gotham city. And you come to find out that he's emulating a villain from the gray ghost TV series. And it's kind of like, you know, young Bruce Wayne grew up watching that the same way that, you know, we might've grown up watching the Batman animated series or, you know, um, you know, the Lone Ranger or Zorro or some of those. And I didn't know until I got a little bit older that the character of the Grey Ghost in that, so adult Batman actually has to go find the elderly actor who played the Grey Ghost and actually brings him in to kind of help him solve this mystery. And I didn't know until just a couple years ago that Adam West was doing the voice of the Grey Ghost. So, yeah. So if I were to think of like the single, one of my single favorite Batman stories other than this movie and other than all the different comics that I've read. I really like that episode of the animated series. I, I've watched that one probably more than any other episode of the, of the animated show. I also liked the, um, the Batman arc in blackest night. I thought that was really good too. Yeah. Yeah. I did like that one. And, uh, there's been a lot of other, um, like the, well, the really creepy stuff lately with the Batman who laughs and like this alternate universe of evil Batman. Some of that stuff has been pretty good. Pretty pretty creepy, though, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Batman Beyond was another one. That cartoon, I used to watch that all the time. I'd love that one. Yeah, I, I have a hard time narrowing it down. But if I was going to, I'd say that one episode of the animated series. Probably my favorite out of all of them. 
All right. Did I get an answer from everybody on that one? Well, I might just, I'm going to real quick, I'm going to throw in, I love this movie, but if I had to narrow it down and pick one, I really like the story in mm-hmm. The Dark Knight Rises. I, I, I like that. I like seeing the underdog come back and all that kind of stuff. So I would say that one. And then if I had to pick a comic, did anybody read the Gotham by Gaslight uh, comic or any of that kind of stuff? I did not. Yeah, a while ago. It's been a while since I've read it, but that's a good one. I, You know what? I remember really liking that, and, and it was basically Batman back in the 1800s. I think that was the... Oh, cool. Yeah, and it was. I think he goes up against Jack the Ripper. And so I was just fascinated by that. Like, okay, well, what happens if Batman took place in the 1800s? Oh, dude. And so I... Uh, it, it, it was a pretty cool comic, so I, yeah, I just remember... Yeah, check that out. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Now, and like I said, it's been forever since I've read it, so um, it's just got me thinking, like, I, I want to check that one out again, because I remember reading it and thinking it was pretty awesome. But if I had to pick one story and just really narrow it down, um, I would say The Dark Knight Rises, but I would say this movie is a very close second and then the Gotham by mm-hmm. Gaslight thing. Yeah, they've had a lot of, uh, for DC Comics, they call them Elseworlds a lot of times, when they do like the alternate universe stories. And those have been some of my favorites of all the different characters. They have one called Speeding Bullets, and it's a story where um, a, a ship from Krypton crash lands in Gotham City, and the baby is found and raised by Thomas and Martha Wayne, who have never had a child of their own. And so young Bruce Wayne actually grows up to find out that his real name is Kal-El from Krypton and he, you know, his parents die, but he lives and uh, he puts on the Batman suit, but he's got all the powers of Superman. So that one, I've I've read that one a lot too. And the Batman uh, vampire stories, I really like those where Batman takes on Dracula and actually at first loses and becomes a vampire. And then he's got to deal with that, you know, trying to remain a hero, but he's also got this thirst for blood and has to deal with trying to overcome that and you throw in, you know, Catwoman and some werewolves here and there and it gets pretty crazy. Cool. On a tangent, did you see the Elseworlds episodes from the CW this season? I have not yet. I, I want to get... Oh man, they're good. did not start watching The Flash yet. We we're going to wait till the season's over and then catch up. But everything I was hearing about those, I'm like, okay, well, I, I need to get caught up so I can watch those. Yeah. They were they were really good, and they ended on a cliffhanger. I, I think I heard what the cliffhanger is and, and what would be coming for the next crossovers next year. What did you hear? Um, is there a crisis coming? There is a crisis coming. That's what I heard then. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Anyway, what was the next question? Uh, next question is, who is your favorite actor to portray Batman in TV or film? And I'm going to just do mine real fast and say Michael Keaton with Kevin Conroy and Christian Bale being close seconds. I might have to go with Will Arnett. Okay. From the Lego movies? Yeah. Mostly tongue-in-cheek on that one, but Mm -hmm. it's just fun. Michael Keaton being a close second. Darkness. Mm Mm-hmm. Parents are dead. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is what I'm talking about. It's just fun. But Michael Keaton would be a second. Yeah. A, a close second. Like, they, it's one and one A, really. Okay. I think it's just so much fun. I think I would just have to agree with what you said. Okay. Michael Keaton in the number one slot, and then uh, Kevin Conroy and Christian Bale in the 1B slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say Michael Keaton. 
Well, nobody said Val Kilmer, huh? Shocking. No. Or George Clooney, for that matter. George Clooney was Batman? <laughs> really? Wow. Oh, I, there hmm. you go. Well, maybe I won't have to check that out. All right. Uh, if you could have a Batmobile, what kind of vehicle would your Batmobile be? I feel like this is a Pat question all the way. Well, I just got to ask, are you saying what is the coolest vehicle or is it what is the coolest Batmobile? If you were Batman, what would you build your Batmobile out of? Like, would you take one from that's already been in one of the movies? Would you say, nope, I've got a motorcycle that I love or a car that I love and I would turn that into the Batmobile? I'll, I'll give you an example. I will give you my answer right now and say I would do a DeLorean and I would shape the doors to be like wings. There you go. Okay. So that's my answer. Okay. I'd paint it black and I'd shape the doors like wings, and when they open, it they go up, and I'm Batman in a car. I'll give Pat, I'll give Pat a minute or two to think about his. Yeah. I've been thinking about this one. Challenger. I would base it off a Challenger, and I would not too much influence from uh, Ghost Rider. A little in, a little leaning that way, but not like totally. Okay. But that would be the the start of it nice i'm not huge into cars so i don't know like close to what bo said you know maybe i would start with the charger as opposed to the challenger but really i think what what i like about some of the batmobiles is uh the sleekness Mm -hmm. so i think what i'd really want is the uh batmobile from batman the animated series yes Mm -hmm. Or maybe the one uh, from 89 Batman. Yeah. The animated the, series one might be my favorite. Yeah, the animated Batmobile, series. Like, the ba- the my favorite Batmobile, one, that's, you know. Like, it's just, it's so sleek. I don't know. I, I just, I, I like that version of the Batmobile. Yeah. If I had to have one that already existed, I, I would go with the one from this movie. All right, Pat, did we give you enough time? Yeah. So I, um, uh, I, I, I thought about, I think I thought about every iteration of this question, except for like, I've got to design my own. That was, that was my problem. So my brain has just been working overtime, but, um, um, I, so I'll start by saying this. I really dug the tumbler. Um, the, the one from the, the, the Christian, uh, the, the, there I go again, uh, Christopher Nolan, the dark Knight. the dark Knight. Yeah. When that thing came on screen, it was like, oh my gosh, he's driving around in a tank. But it's not like he's driving mm-hmm. around in like an M1A1 Abrams or something. I mean, it was like a car, a really slick car tank. With the, I mean, I, I thought that thing was 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 pretty cool. So, man, I'll tell you, um, that's kind of what I was thinking. But now hearing you guys talk and you got it all, what you would design it off of, um, I, I might have to cycle back after the end of the five questions. I'm going to keep my brain working on overdrive, um, but I'll, I'll just put a little placeholder in there saying it would somehow end up like the tumbler because I just think that thing is really cool. So, well, and I can tell you, Pat, where my, uh, I'm going to see if I can find it really quick. What sparked my interest was doing a little research. They talked about kind of how they built the Batmobile for the 1989 movie. Yeah. I, you know what? I remember um, reading something. Go ahead. I remember hearing about this. I'm trying to find it really quick because they, they built it off of, a car that already existed. Uh, they right? built it built it on the chassis of a Chevy Impala, mm-hmm. incorporated the engine of an Impala, the taillights of a Ferrari, the fuel caps of a London bus, and jet engine parts from a Harrier jump jet. 
<laughs> the sliding cockpit was inspired by that of a Harrier, with the slim windows of a gun emplacement. They added the headlights of a Honda Civic after noticing after the art director saw them on his wife's car and thought they would be cool. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what got my wheels spinning when I read that. I was like, okay, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah. That thing, that thing was cool. And I mean, it is that '89 Batmobile is just really, really sick. I mean, it, it's, it's like the animated one that it's almost. The animated one with that real long hood is it's it's almost mm-hmm. exciting because it's minimalist. Mm-hmm. You know? It yeah. doesn't have tons of wings and, and, and veiny things and uh all that kind of stuff on it. Um which is which is what I think kind of makes this eighty nine Batman car look so cool is it just it really it really looks um it, it, it just looks simple. Or not simple, but minimalist. It does just doesn't have a lot of bits and bops and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So. All right. Last of the five questions, really quickly. Do you prefer Batman with or without a Robin sidekick? And my answer to this one will be quick. If it's the movies, I prefer him without. If it's the comics, I prefer him with. I I think that's the best way to put it. I think. Um... I think it needs context. Mm-hmm. So they haven't done a movie Robin well yet. No, that was that was to yeah, kind of to my point was I haven't seen a good movie Robin yet. And it's so hard like to do it right and sidekicks are so hard that they just have failed to uh to meet my expectations, but the TV show Robin was fantastic mm-hmm. on the car, on the animated series. They did it really well. Yeah. Um, in the comic books, I feel like they've always handled it well with all the crazy things they've done with him. Well, and if they didn't, they beat him to death with a crowbar. Exactly. I mean, and, you know, and then there's the whole Nightwing thing and, and it just keeps going. Well, I was going to say, you know, other than Jason Todd, I would have to agree with you. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, I think as long as it's not a movie, yeah, bring him on. But I'd love for someone to do a good movie, Robin, because I think the concept is cool. Mm-hmm. They just haven't quite figured it out for some reason. Well, well Joseph maybe. Gordon-Levitt was supposedly the Robin character in The Dark Knight Rises. Right. Where they alluded to the fact that he yeah, was... Yeah, that's true. They did. But I he didn't am. really do anything Robin-esque. Right. There's that upcoming uh, Dick Grayson story or whatever that's going to be coming out that's all controversial. That might, mm-hmm. you know, that'll be interesting to see what they do with that. All right, Pat, what, what, what's your thought on this one? You know what? I, I agree. I, I think all the iterations of it, it's been really nice. It's been cool seeing him by himself. That's been the key. But it would be really cool to see it done. Um, it would be really cool to see it done well and not in a comic booky kind of way. Mm-hmm. And by comic booky, I don't even know what that means, and not in a campy comic book way. Yeah. I, sure. Yeah. And I feel like, and, and Pat, you're going to love this. I feel like a way that that could be done really well is to model it after Logan. Mm, yeah. Because because I think one of the tough parts about that is how do you explain why Batman is hanging out with and training a child to fight with him, 
Um, you know, I think if you had a story where your Robin character, where they needed to be thrust together for some reason, and your Robin character was, you know, I think, I think sometimes the, the iteration you get of like a, a Dick Grayson is that, well, he's this, you know, well-behaved, well-mannered kid. Like, well, maybe, actually, I think my favorite Robin most recently has been in the comics has been, uh, Bruce Wayne's son, Damien. And he is definitely not a well-mannered, well-adjusted little kid. And so I think if you were going to do it and do it well in a movie, I think Logan had that dynamic done really well where you had the adult, serious superhero, and then you've got a kid that, you know, can kind of hold their own for different reasons, but, you know, they've got to be together for some reason. I think if you were going to do it, you'd have to do it kind of like in that in that vein. Mm-hmm. Jeff, what did you think? Yay or nay? Well, I would agree if it's um, movies, no comics, yes. But even so, like, I wouldn't. There are some Robins in the comics that I don't care for, such you know, like I said, Jason Todd. Yeah, get rid of him, which they did. Yeah, um, <laughs> he gone. Uh, but no, I agree. I I really like uh, Damien. I think. Damien is a great Robin for the character of, of Batman. All right. Well, I think that's our five questions and I think that's going to do it for uh, our discussion of Batman very, very quickly. Um, I'll add this to our letterboxd page. If anybody uses letterboxd, it's an app uh, that you can use to find out more about movies and read reviews and people make all kinds of awesome lists on it. Uh, We have a list of every show that we've ever done up to this point and all the movies that we've talked about Um, on there. I do go in and I rate every movie. So out of five, what would you give Batman 89? 20 trillion 20 trillion out of Seven, five that's gonna bring that's gonna bring the average up a little bit five two okay. I don't know. this one goes to 11 yeah okay it's it's great i love it i'd go 4.5 go four and a half okay yeah all right so jeff is a four and a half and everybody else is like five million yeah okay all right, well, let me calculate the average on that one, and I'll get back to you guys. And I'm going to jump back. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I gave it some thought and everything, and I'm just going to briefly say for the for the Batmobile, I would, and I don't have the skill to do this, so I say it incredibly humbly, I would need to design something from the ground up. Because I okay. Think if, if I, that's kind of what I figured. What was that? That's kind of what I figured. Yeah, because if it's going to do everything that I, that I would need it to do, I, I would just... You know, I would just have to start with the list of here's everything it needs to do. And then you just have to build, you know, purpose built chassis and everything. Yeah, it would it, it yeah. would probably be a ground up design by someone that knows okay. what they're doing. And then I would just sit Fair there enough. and say, does it come in black? There you go. So. I'm going to use this for spelunking. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for our Batman 89 discussion. Pat, was it worth the three year wait? Oh, it was wonderful. Good. I'm glad. I'm, this, this show is basically all for you. Snotty beat me twice last night. It was wonderful. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> all right. Well, again, if you want to find our other episodes or find out more about our show, go to 30podcast.com. Find us on Twitter at uh, 30podcast. Our voicemail, if you want to call in and give your own answers to the five questions or give some other feedback on movies we've talked about or the show in general, or Batman, uh, or any upcoming movies uh, that we've got that we're going to be doing in the next few weeks, our voicemail line is 87235-MOVIE, or 872-356-6843. Feel free to call into that, and we may include your voicemail on a future show. Uh, Speaking of future shows, our next episodes 
We have an action-packed month of January. Our next episode next week is going to be Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And then after that, Lethal Weapon 2. And then finally, License to Kill. Uh, if we are able to, we kind of have this one on the on the back burner. If we're able to get to it in January, we may also do an episode on the 2019 movie Glass. So depending on whether we're able to see that one in the theater or not, just with schedules and everything else, sometimes it doesn't always work out. Um, but that one could possibly be a bonus episode that we do in January. So that is going to do it for the 30-something movie podcast this time around. Thank you, gentlemen, for being on here tonight. Thank you, John. All Thank right. you, John. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here next time for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah.